Man, thank you, Lundy family. Appreciate that. Amen. Excellent job. Good job, girls, on your part. Did very good. Amen. This is my father's world. We said this morning, there is so much evidence that this is his. Only a fool could say there is no God. This is my father's world. We're going to be looking tonight at the subject of I am a church member. I am a church member. That's a, a Aiden had asked Joel earlier when he was getting the things set up for the live feed tonight, he said, what's the title of tonight's sermon? And Joel said, I am a church member. And so Aiden called me on the phone and he said, what's the title of tonight's sermon? I said, I am a church member. He said, well, that's what Joel said, but I'm just like, that don't sound like a very good title for a sermon. But anyway, the title of the sermon tonight is I am a church member. And so we're going to be looking a little bit at the thought this evening of what does it mean to be a church member. What does it mean to be a church member? Uh, whenever you think of church membership, I'm sure you've encountered a lot of opinions. You've encountered a lot of folks that have different ideas concerning uh, church membership. Uh, and so whenever you think about being a church member, there are some uh, who avoid church membership. I'm close friends with uh, a, a man who is a good godly man. He's a faithful man. He loves the Lord, uh, but he just will not uh, join a church. He just feels that there's no need for him to join a church. There's no one here. He's from a, another state, but he just feels that there is no reason. He and I have discussed it, and he just is adamant that he does not need to be the member of a church. Good godly guy, but he avoids church membership. There are others who misunderstand what church membership is and what it means, and we'll be looking at some of that in a little bit. There are some who deny that the Bible even teaches church membership. And they seem to think uh, uh, that church membership is not something that is taught in the Bible, but instead it's something that is made up. And then there are some who faithfully fulfill their role as a church member. And I believe that tonight we have a lot of those folks with us in the service this evening, those who faithfully fulfill their role as a church member. But I've been wanting to look at this subject for some time. As a matter of fact, this morning uh, I was looking at the two messages that were prepared for today and I was like, Lord, should I swap these? Should I preach the one on church membership this morning and preach the parable tonight? And the Lord's like, no, no, you preach them the way I give them to you. And I'm like, okay, that's what we'll do. But uh, anyway, I've been wanting to look at this subject of church membership for some time. And so tonight we're going to just dive into it and we may look at this uh next Sunday night as well, if the Lord wills. We'll see uh, how the Lord leads us on that. But there's a number of places in the Word of God where we can see a clear picture uh, of uh, church membership. Uh, uh, we see it all throughout the New Testament. We read of churches in homes and we read descriptions of those that attended those churches uh, and many different things we can see all throughout the New Testament that gives us a clear picture of church membership. But in 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, Paul addresses the subject of church membership quite thoroughly. Matter of fact, it's probably the largest portion of Scripture dealing with church membership, uh, what it is and how it applies to us uh, in the Word of God. Whenever we look at these three chapters, uh, we see that chapter number 12 deals with the body of church members, or we could say the role that church members fulfill in the body of Christ. Chapter number 13 deals with the body 
bond of church members. And chapter number 14 deals with the behavior of church members. So we see that these three chapters cover a lot of area concerning church membership and what it is. So this evening we're going to reference uh, this passage of Scripture and uh, we'll be looking at a lot of Scripture this evening, doing a lot of reading uh, and, and we're going to consider an introduction, we could say, to what the Bible teaches concerning what is a church member. So to get started, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 and we're going to read several verses throughout chapter number 12. So we'll begin with reading verse number 12. Chapter number 12 and verse 12 of 1 Corinthians, the Bible says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. If you drop down to verse number 14, the Bible says, For the body is not one member, but many. We could then go on to verse number 18 where the Bible says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And then if we would, let's go down to verse number 27 and we'll see what that says as well. It says in verse number 27, Now ye are the bodies of Christ and members in particular. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get into this sermon tonight. Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, I thank you that I am a church member. I thank you, dear Lord, that you allowed me to nearly be born, uh, Father, as, as, a, as a physical person, Lord, right into being uh, in, in, enveloped with the church and the things of the church. And Lord, growing up in a church. And Father, then at, uh, Lord, nine years old, I was born into uh, the family of God. And Father, I thank you that all throughout my life, uh, Father, I have been involved in your church. And Father, I thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you for each person that is here tonight. Uh, Lord, faithful church members that Lord, uh, they are a part uh, of the work that you have called them to do. And they faithfully serve you. Father, I thank you for them. Lord, as we look at the scripture this evening, and Lord, we begin to get an understanding of what it means uh, to be a church member. And Lord, some of what the Bible teaches us concerning church membership. Father, I pray that it'll be educational. I pray, dear Lord, that it'll instruct us. Uh, I pray, dear Father, that perhaps it'll clarify any confusion uh, that we may have. And Father, Lord, that it'll solidify our desire to faithfully serve you as church members. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for this family. I thank you, Father, for letting me be a part of Marlbrook Baptist Church. Bless now as we look at your word, and Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The first thing I want to consider as we begin this study is a common misconception surrounding church membership. It's necessary to understand that there are two types of membership. Whenever you speak of being a member, there are two ways that we can describe that and oftentimes the two definitions are combined, muddled, or they are confused in regard to what it means to be a church member. I've got a list of different examples that we'll share with you, but before I get into the examples, a couple of definitions that show the different type of membership. Uh, one definition of membership uh, is this, an integral individual component. So let me try that again. An integral individual component contributing to the completion of the whole. An integral individual component uh, contributing to the completion of 
of the whole. The second definition of member is a recipient of the benefits of an organization. So we see that both of these are accurate definitions of the word member, but we can see that they are very different in how they affect the person. For example, many of us have an Amazon membership. Have a membership, Amazon Prime. Used to be you could get that two-day shipping. Now you don't know when you're going to get it. Not sure why we're still paying for it. But anyway, we have that Amazon Prime membership. And with that Prime membership, we pay our dues and we receive the perks of being a member of that organization. But although I am a member of Amazon Prime, I physically contribute nothing to the organization. I have never labored. I've never spent a moment in an office at Amazon. I've never sent in any ideas as to how they could do their service better. I have contributed nothing to the company. I simply pay my dues and I reap my benefits. But on the other hand, I've also noticed, and several of the guys were keeping up with football before church, and whenever you look at a sports team, you look at a sports team, There are members of the team. We refer to them as team members. And their role as a member is to physically engage in the mission of the team. So we see in an Amazon membership, I pay my dues, I reap benefits. In a sports team, I physically engage in the mission. Another example is you could hold a membership at a resort where you pay someone to maintain the facilities. You pay someone. They keep the grass cut. They make sure that everything is in working order. They make sure the swimming pool is clean. They make sure that the equipment is on the golf course. You show up. You enjoy yourself and you go home. You never do anything as far as taking care of the resort, you simply reap the benefits of the resort. On the other hand, you could be the member of a construction crew. Now you're still a member. One is a member of the resort. The other is a member of the construction crew. And the member of the construction crew is required to show up and fulfill his position to make sure all the work is done so that when the people that's paying their dues show up, they can enjoy the resort. We see there's two different angles to this thing of membership. A third example is you could subscribe to be a member of the auto safety group, AAA, I believe it's called. And if you pay your dues to AAA... They say you will never be stranded along the side of the road. Wherever you break down, they'll bring you a car. They'll buy you a room. They'll field you a meal. I mean, they do all kinds of stuff for you. I mean, they take good care of you. You pay your dues. They take care of you. I'm not sure what they do, so if I didn't describe them right, I'm not a member. Okay, but you can pay your dues, and they take care of you. They make sure you're not stranded. They, they make sure you get home. You have an automobile. They take really good care of you. But on the other hand, you could be a member of the local fire department. And as a member of the local fire department, you drop everything and risk life and limb to ensure the safety of those that need your help. Now, we could go on and on and on with these examples. But I believe it's clear to see that membership can be defined in two distinctly different ways. Ways. Membership can be defined completely differently. Now, as I said a moment ago, neither of these definitions are incorrect. I am a member of Amazon Prime, 
and I am a member of Marlbrook Baptist Church, but my role as a member is distinctly different in those two venues, distinctly different. Now, I want to point out before we go on that those who are involved as a working member of an organization can also reap the benefits of that organization. For example, Brother Jeremy is a firefighter. He works as a volunteer here at Rayfane. He works as a paid firefighter over in uh, Bridgewater. Is that right? Bridgewater, yes. So Brother, brother uh, Jeremy is a firefighter. He is one of the guys that if you have need, he drops everything, risk life and limb to make sure you are kept safe. That's what he does. That's, that is uh, what he has felt that this is what he's given his life to. This is who he is. He's a firefighter. But if Brother Jeremy's house were to catch on fire, and I pray it doesn't, brother, but if Brother Jeremy's house was to catch on fire, he is entitled to the same rescue program that anyone else is. Uh, and so the fire department would respond to his fire and put out his fire just like they would anyone else's fire. The, 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 um, the staff of AAA are entitled to a loaner car just in the same way those that subscribe are entitled to a loaner car. But the difference is that while the laborers can also reap the benefits, the subscribers never lift a finger in regard to helping the organization. So although it can go both ways for the laborers, it doesn't go both ways for the subscribers. So just make sure that we understand. Now the trouble that we find is when we consider church membership is that there are some who view it as a commitment. They see church membership as a commitment, but there are others who see church membership as a subscription. There are some who realize that by becoming a member of the church, this means that I am going to be an integral, individual component that makes up part of the whole. I am going to be active and involved. This means that I am going to give of myself. Some realize that. Others feel that church membership is a subscription, and as long as I pay my dues, somebody else will take care of all my spiritual needs. And this is the misconception that we run into often when we look at the subject of church membership. Some see themselves as part of a living organism and understand the importance of their involvement, while others view their offering as a payment or a purchase price for somebody else to take care of everything so they can come and get their conscience soothed on a weekly basis. The problem, and there's many problems with this misconception, but we'll just look at one right now. The problem with this misconception is that those who feel that they are purchasing benefits also feel that their monetary contributions constitute a degree of ownership and that they have the privilege of demanding that their personal desires be accommodated. I mean, you've heard people talk like this. And, and, and again, like I said, I thought, you know, that maybe I'm preaching this message at the wrong place. So I'm commending y'all rather than correcting y'all. But you've met those people. You've met those people who will say statements like, I've been paying my tithes at that church for 27 years. And if they don't put down the color carpet I want, I'm leaving. Well, I'm sorry. 
But your 27 years of tithes does not give you a degree of ownership that allows you to demand that your personal accommodations are met. No, no, no. We're not paying dues. We're not purchasing ownership. But those that have the resort mentality feel like their offering ought to purchase them something. But that's, that's part of this misconception. However, those who see themselves as an integral part of the whole understand that any monetary contribution they give is freely given to help the group as a whole accomplish the mission together. You understand that everything that I contribute, everything I put in the offering plate, everything I give towards the church is a free will offering that I and you and all of us together put together that we as a group can accomplish the mission that God has called us to do. It's a completely different mindset. Completely different mindset concerning membership. Now, these misconceptions are not uncommon. Matter of fact, you will find them in most any church that you go to. You will find these misconceptions. And it's not something new. This has existed as long as people have been worshiping. These type of misconceptions have existed. And because of this, Paul addressed this subject of church membership here in 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. So we're going to take just a few minutes and consider these passages and see what Paul taught concerning church membership. First, uh, we, we've seen the common misconception, but now we want to look in chapter number 12 where we see the biblical description of church membership. So let's take a moment. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read several verses, and we're going to see the biblical concept, what the Bible teaches concerning church membership. So look with me in 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to start in verse number 12. I'm going to read through the end of the chapter. So stay with me and follow along and get to this idea of what Paul is teaching concerning church membership. He says in verse 12, For as the body is one, speaking of the church, and hath many members, speaking of you and I, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. 
that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongue. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gift of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Now, I know that was a lengthy passage of Scripture, but this passage of Scripture shows how God views church membership. First, he gives us the picture of the body and the different parts of the body, speaking of the human body, as an example of the church being a body. And then he gives us a, re a representation uh, by mentioning many of the different places of service that we find within the church. And he shows us how this all comes together as one. Here in this passage, we see several things. First, we see many members yet one body. Here in this passage, we see that all are active members. In the example that he made, he spoke of the eye. He spoke of the ear. He spoke of the hand. He spoke of the foot. I don't know about you, but those are necessary components for my daily activity. I need each and every one of them. They are all active members. Uh, then we see not only are there many members, not only are they all active members, but we see that they have differing responsibilities. Uh, their responsibilities are not the same, but they are all important to the function of the body. And then we see, of course, uh, that the, all the members are necessary for the functionality of the whole. Here, I forget when it was. We've had snow so long my mind's beginning to get blurry. But anyway, back a, a couple weeks ago, I was shoveling snow for my neighbor. She was stuck, uh, couldn't get her car out, and she needed to go to work. And so, and this was after the snow had turned into a brick. And so I was down there with a chainsaw cutting it. No, not that bad. But I was down there uh, chipping the snow, chipping away, trying to chip away enough that we could uh, get her car out. And so we chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. And finally, I got a path and I hooked my truck to her and, and pulled her out. It took me several tries, but Finally, I got her pulled out and got her on her way. And then after she left, I went ahead and dug a pathway so that when she came back home, she could pull her car back into her driveway. And boy, it was cold that morning. And uh, I, was, I was just bitter cold and so cold. You know how it gets when you're so cold, you're starting to lose feeling in your fingertips, you know. And I was just bitter cold when I got finished. And I turned around and I went to walk to my truck. I was finished, mind you, finished, okay, done. Done shoveled all the snow, I'm done, I'm going to my truck. I get right to my truck and I step on a piece of ice. And I'm telling you what, my feet went out from underneath me so fast, I'm not sure what exactly happened, but one minute I was about to my truck and the next minute uh, I was going down like this. And as I went down, I caught myself on this hand. Now I know some of you people can take your fingers and touch the back of your hand, but that's about the limit for me right there. I mean, they just don't go past there. That's how the Lord created me, not sure why. As I went back, this pinky kept bending. 
And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And I felt this pinky touch my hand right here. And I heard a really loud pop. And I sat up, and I'm holding my hand like this, or like this, I guess. I'm like, oh, my hand, oh, my hand. I hope nobody sees me sitting here acting like a baby. Oh, my hand hurts. Oh, it hurts. And I raised up and looked, and there's blood everywhere. I'm like, where in the world did the blood come from? Realized in the fall somehow, I don't know how, I had cut this finger open and it was just bleeding like a sieve. I'm like, good gracious, try to help your neighbor. Look what you get. You know how you deteriorate really quickly. Anyway, I went to the house, got myself warmed up so I could feel my fingers again and got cleaned up and uh, got took a leave to do away with the pain and I'm in good shape now, you know. But that's been a couple weeks ago. When every time I come to church and shake hands with you guys who know that I have a good strong grip, y'all re-break my pinky every service. I've been trying not to say anything. I had to tell you. No. <laughs> but you know what? Every time I reach out, to, and it's really not that bad. It just reminds me. But every time I reach out to shake your hand and that little twinge of pain runs down through that pinky, I'm reminded that every part of the body is important. Every part of the body is vital. And whenever y'all lay that grip on me and I try to give it back and it just ain't there, I'm reminded that every part of the body is important. Every part of the body is necessary. It is vital. Don't let the devil tell you that the role you feel is unimportant. Because every person, every part, every area is important. When we look at this description that Paul gave, you'll notice that there are no idle members. You will notice that there are no benefit-only type members in this description Paul gives. But you will notice that all members are active contributors to the mission of the church. As a matter of fact... We use a term in describing members who haven't attended church for a while and we describe them as inactive church members. That's really an oxymoron because there is no such thing as an inactive member because members are those who are contributing to the mission of the whole. Each member provides a necessary component for the function of the body. Each member utilizes their natural and God-given gifts for the shared mission of saturating the community and the uttermost parts of the world with the gospel. Whenever someone asks, can I be a member of the church? We need to make sure that they understand that what they're asking is can I dedicate my resources, my strength, my ability, my gifts, my talents, my finances, can I contribute everything that I have to offer to being a blessing and a benefit to, to the cause of Christ that is being accomplished through this ministry? Can I get involved? When they ask to be a member, they, we need to let them understand they are asking, uh, can I be involved? Can I be a part? Can I contribute? Can I give of myself for the cause of Christ? For that is biblical 
membership. Too many times we communicate the idea that membership is paying dues to reap benefits. But we need to start communicating that biblical membership is getting involved in the work of Christ through the ministry of a local church. That is church membership. The second thing I want to point out concerning church membership, or the third thing, I guess, uh, is the unifying bond. The unifying bond. First, we see the common misconception. We see the biblical concept. But now I want to show you the unifying bond that holds this thing together. Whenever a group this large and this diverse, uh, this many people with this many different personalities, which results in this many different opinions, come together to work together, uh, uh, it can be difficult uh, to regulate differences. Uh, it can be difficult to avoid injuries uh, and offenses. It can be difficult uh, uh, to restore those that are wounded unless there is some kind of a glue that's going to hold us all together. And we see that the Bible teaches us that God gave us that glue. That's what chapter number 13 is dedicated to. Now it's interesting to realize that 1 Corinthians 13, we refer to it as the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, now abide of these three, faith, hope, and charity. But the greatest of these is charity. We love to read 1 Corinthians 13 at weddings. We love to read uh, 1 Corinthians 13 in, 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 to our, to our um, spouse. Man, I, that word was hard to come out, wasn't it? We love, to, we love to read it to our spouse. We love to use it on Valentine's Day. We love to use 1 Corinthians 13 uh, as a means of expounding on the agape love of God. And it's not harmful to use 1 Corinthians 13 in any of those ways. That's not harmful at all. But sometimes understanding context uh, helps us to understand why something is in the Bible and why God put it in there. Now, any application of the principles uh, uh, that we find in 1 Corinthians 13 in a personal relationship will be effective. Uh, the principles taught here regarding how we should love one another is effective uh, anywhere you apply them in personal applications. But 1 Corinthians 13 was not written for you to read to your wife. 1 Corinthians 13 was not written for a romantic message at the couple's banquet. 1 Corinthians 13 was written as a part of the Bible policy on church membership. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 was written for. 1 Corinthians 13 was written as instruction to the church at Corinth as to how they were to conduct themselves towards one another as members of the body. This is why it was put in the Bible. Now, like I said, it's not inappropriate to use 1 Corinthians 13 in any of these other areas, but the true purpose of this chapter was to provide a guideline concerning how church members are to behave regarding their ministry and their interaction with one another within the church. You know, our Creator understands far better than we do that although we've been forgiven, we're not perfect. If anybody gets this about us, 
It's our Savior. And I'm so glad that he does. He understands uh, that although we've been forgiven, uh, although our sins uh, are under the blood, uh, although we've been justified, uh, he understands that we still live in this flesh uh, and that there's still going to be abrasiveness uh, whenever we work together with other human beings. Therefore, uh, if we're going to be successful in this thing of work coming together as the body of Christ and accomplishing the Great Commission, there needs to be something pretty powerful that keeps us all tied together. And thus, he wrote 1 Corinthians 13. Now let's read together 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Now that we understand why it was written, why it finds itself right here in the Word of God, read 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 13 in a way that we've never probably read it before. And that is we're going to read it And in our mind, we're going to be applying it to church membership and to our interaction one with another. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. You see, he starts off first thing in 1 Corinthians 13 dealing with the leadership of the church. Pastor John, you might be a great orator. You might have a phenomenal grasp of the Scriptures. Pastor John, you may be gifted in explaining the Scriptures in such a way that just leaves people astounded. Boy, I wish all this was true of me. But Pastor John, you may be really gifted in these areas, but Pastor John, if you do not love your people, You are as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal and you will not be successful in your ministry, Pastor John. He starts off dealing with me. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, if I have not charity, I am nothing. Next he moves on to those in the church that are benevolent, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Now he begins to just explain how this operates betwixt you and I. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. You know what? Sometimes the hand may get a little more recognizable job than the foot. Charity envieth not. This is is how we operate in a church setting. Charity vaunteth not itself, just as the foot is not to be envious of the hand because the job has been of more recognition. At the same time, the hand is not to boast about its position. Charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. 
beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And this right here, chapter or verse 8, the first three words is one of my favorite phrases in the Bible. Charity never faileth. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. You can build your church on all these things, but unless you have charity, it's going to amount to nothing because all these things will fail. Charity will not fail. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Whenever we read 1 Corinthians 13 and understand the context, 1 Corinthians 12 deals with the role of the members in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 14 deals with the behavior of church members. 1 Corinthians 13 falls right between and we understand that the chapter breaks and the verse breaks were put in by us later on to help us find the scripture. So this was one continuous thought by Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 13 was written that Christians would know how to treat one another as part of a church membership. You know, I, I, I read this and I thought perhaps it would do some churches that I've heard about, never have I experienced this here, but I've definitely heard of some churches, that it might would do them good to read 1 Corinthians 13 kind of as a lead-in to their business meetings. You know, it might help a little bit. But uh, first we understand our role as church member, is involvement. Second, we recognize that our bond is found in unselfish Christ-like love being demonstrated towards all other members. And then lastly, if we go back to chapter number 12, I want us to consider the strength of diversity. The strength of diversity. Perhaps we wonder, whenever we're applying the principles of 1 Corinthians 13 instead of losing our cool, because there will be abrasion, there will be offenses, there will be times when we will have to apply the principles of 1 Corinthians 13 so that we do continue to move forward in a Christ-like manner instead of being upset. But at that moment, we have experienced the abrasion, we've forgiven the abrasion. Maybe we wonder, why doesn't God just wire us in such a way so that whenever we are born again, all our personalities just match? All of our opinions match. All of our personalities match. We all have all the same ideas, same reasoning. We all think the same way, and we're just all lined up perfectly. Why, why doesn't God hardwire us that way so that when the Holy Spirit moves in, we all of a sudden become this group of people that are, we, you can hardly tell us apart as far as the way we think and act and things we like and want to do? Why, why doesn't God do that? I mean, because if he did well, then we'd just all naturally get along because we would always agree. We'd always have the same idea. We'd always be wanting to do the same thing. Wouldn't it make sense if God would have wired us up that way instead? And it does initially seem like a good idea. 
But Paul apparently knew that somebody would think of this, and so he addressed it in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 by giving us the example of the human body, which is an example that each and every one of us can relate to. He said in verse number 14, For the body is not one member, but many. If Christ were to wire us in such a way where we all thought and acted, had the same opinions and personality, if he wired us in that way, then initially we would just be one member. But the body is not one member, but many. And then Paul goes on in verse number 15 and 16 and 17, he describes the foot and the hand and the ear and the eye. He says in verse number 19, or verse number 18, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. In verse number 18 it says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. You know what that means? That everybody that God has brought into our church, God has brought them here for a reason because he knows that they have something they can contribute to this ministry that completes the body as a whole. He has set every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. He has brought them in and he said they have something that they can contribute to enable this body to do what I have called it to do. God set every one of them in and it is necessary that we be different. It is necessary that we have people that can accomplish different tasks and different jobs. He makes the illustration if the whole body were an eye, where were the hands? If all were the hands, where were the feet? The body doesn't function unless it has various members. But because we're human and because we're imperfect, and that goes for all of us, along with our gifts, we bring not so perfect parts as well. And so whenever we come together and God brings us together for the benefit of our gifts, we also bring together more opinions, more personalities, different ideas, uh, different likes, different dislikes, uh, and we all come together. And now all of a sudden we have all these things that can, can potentially cause friction. And the devil is quick to jump on those things and to bring those things up, bring them to our attention, and try to cause that friction within us. But Jesus has given us a defender. That's 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Charity. Charity suffereth long. Charity vaunteth not itself. Charity is kind. And this is the glue that smooths out all the imperfections that are found in the body of Christ. There is strength in diversity, strength and diversity. Paul is teaching that just as a body needs a foot, a hand, an eye, or an ear in order to perform all of its duties, 
A church needs to have many members, all different, all accomplishing different roles, so that each can devote their full strength to their particular gift and none is taxed by trying to fulfill the roles that they are not equipped to do. Did you catch that? God puts different people with different gifts so that each person can devote their full strength to the gifts that God has given them rather than trying to do something that they're not necessarily equipped to do. If I could put this in an illustration that maybe we can connect with, you can, if you're good and fit and plenty strong in your upper arms, you can walk on your hands. You can. I've seen people do it. I've never done it, but I've seen people do it. They walk, walk around on their hands. You can pick things up with your feet. My dad... I think he was part monkey because I'm telling you what, that guy could pick an apple up with his foot and throw it at you. I mean, he, he could really pick some stuff up with his feet. So you can pick things up with your feet. A lot of times at vacation Bible school, things like that, we'll have those games where they have to put their feet in the ice water and find the rock and pull it out. You can pick things up with your feet. You can walk on your hands. I can identify you. Brother Ted, you have a very distinctive voice. I can identify you by my ear instead of my eye. And if I were to lose my hearing, I can communicate by reading your lips with my eyes. So there are many things that different body parts can do. We can cover for each other. But while I'm walking on my hands, I can't hold on to anything. While I'm picking things up with my feet, I can't go anywhere. If God has gave me the gift of going, but I can't get gone because I'm picking up because whoever's supposed to be the hand isn't doing what God has called them to do, then the foot can never work at its full capability because it's doing somebody else's job. We see here that there is strength in diversity. All are different, yet all are necessary. This is why it's so important for every member to identify what can I give of myself so that the body can fulfill everything that God has called it to do. Perhaps you can drive a van. Maybe you can repair a van. Maybe you can work the soundboard. Maybe you can design graphics. Maybe you can update a website. Maybe you can change light bulbs. I don't know if y'all have noticed. I'm just going to tell myself every chandelier has a light bulb out, and this one has four out. Now, I have recruited Aiden to change all those tomorrow. You know what? It's handy to have somebody that just changes light bulbs, uh, somebody that keeps up with keeping things uh, changed and updated. Maybe you can spread gravel. Maybe you're gifted uh, in sending cards of encouragement, baking cookies or remembering birthdays. Maybe that's something you're good at doing. Maybe you have organizational skills or you're good with numbers. Perhaps you love to teach or maybe you're good with children and little infants and you're able to work with them. Perhaps you understand electricity and how to make it work. Maybe uh, you you're a prayer warrior. Maybe you're able to transcribe sermons so that we could post them online or print them and mail them to people that are unable to get the online version. We could go on and on and on and on. But the truth is that whatever your calling is, there is a place in the body for you. And if you become an active member, 
You will receive the blessings of membership that you've never experienced before and you will enable the other members to devote their time to doing what God has called them to do. And as more and more people fulfill the role of biblical membership, the body as a whole becomes more and more effective and the church begins to function the way that God intended it to and the church is able to reach the world with the gospel, which is the purpose of the church. I end with this question. Are you a church member? I know I am. My title at Aiden didn't like. I am a church member. And I love being a part of the family of God. The question is, are you? a church member. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your goodness. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that I am a church member. I thank you, Lord, that you have made me a part of the family of God. And Lord, I thank you for each individual, uh, Lord, that makes up the family of God. Lord, I think of many, uh, Lord, sitting in the congregation tonight. And Lord, as I've preached this message, and Lord, as I've looked across the congregation, and Lord, I've remembered the jobs that they do, the places they labor, the, the, the things that they accomplish, and Lord, how they carry their load. And Father, I thank you for each member of this body. I thank you, dear Lord, for their faithfulness, uh, Lord, for their dedication. Father, I pray that this message will help us to solidify in our hearts, Lord, the importance uh, of being an active part of the body of Christ. Thank you, dear Lord, for your goodness. I pray that you'll be with us throughout this week. Help us, Lord, to faithfully serve you. And Father, we'll praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.